0: Uh, No word of God will ever fail, ever fail. Hmm. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to wait on it sometimes, right? But it will never, ever fail. Just amazing to think about how awesome our God is. We serve an amazing, awesome, splendorous God. God of power and glory. Like no other. You can read about a lot of gods out there in the world and on the internet, but there's only one true living God who truly is God. Only one of them spoke and created everything. And the awesome thing is that only one of them wrapped himself in flesh, overcame every one of our weaknesses, and then freely gave us his kingdom, his power. Only one has ever, ever purchased salvation for your life. Right? Jesus Christ. There's no one like him. Jesus the Christ. <laughs> it's not his last name, by the way, if you, if you knew that. It's a, it's a title. He is the Savior, the Redeemer, the Restorer, the Healer, the everything. I mean, just everything. 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 And you just think about that reality that when he spoke, everything was created. His word is powerful. So when we speak in agreement with his word, man, things change. Things change. Prison walls come crumbling down. It's not just a cute lyric that we sing. Literally, read the book of Acts. The prison walls came crumbling down. <laughs> like, it literally happened. Paul and Silas, it was Silas, I think, right? They're just sitting there. They're just singing their praises, their hymns to God. They're in prison, singing praise. And the next thing you know, everybody's delivered. The whole jail, the wall. <laughs> Your deliverance is not just for you. It's for all those around you, too. The Christian faith is a public faith that no one can shut up, right? No one can stop it. Whew. There's some prison, wo- prison doors flinging open. I guess I should correct my theology there. The prison, the walls didn't come down, that was Jericho. The prison doors flung open. They were set free. And the jailer who was about to commit suicide because he knew it was going to mean his death one way or another, even he was stopped in time. And set free. How good is our God? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to repent. To repent just means to think the way that He thinks, to see the way that He sees. The church has given that word "repent" such a bad name in in the world. You know, I, I I've I've gone to you know I just you know we went to a a, a comic con not long ago. You know, and you got the the good Christians out there with their um you know because and there I am I'm, I'm dressed like a um a sand person. You know I'm like, you <laughs> know, anyways. <laughs> and those people they got their signs and their bullhorns and they're yelling at me to repent. And it's like, but I I, I just I already repented. I'm just I'm just having fun. It's, it's nothing evil, I swear. But man, that word repent has, has such a negative connotation, but it's so good. It is so good. It's just to, to have the perspective of God, to see yourself the way he sees you, to see the world the way that he sees it, to see your circumstances the way he sees it. Because if we saw things the way he sees them, we wouldn't fear, we wouldn't fret, we wouldn't be overcome by our circumstances. We would overcome our circumstances, Right? We would speak the word of God. We would prophesy to those dry bones in every hopeless situation, and it would come to pass, right? And Eden joys living proof of that. You know, what may have been impossible, not with God, right? It is possible, and it is a reality that you can literally behold here soon. (laughs) A reality. But what I love about God is that, you know, he meets us where we're at, he is not afraid of sin like some of you are afraid of the coronavirus. He infra- he's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of you and your sin. The fact that it is a theological fact that sin separates us from God, but it is not God who moves. It is us who chose to move away from Him. That's sin, you know? <laughs> That's what it means. We, we moved away from His plans, His purposes, His will, but He pursues us even in our sin. He meets us where we're at, and He loves us so much that he forgives us, and he gives us grace, and he gives us mercy, and he empowers us. He takes us by the hand, literally, and takes us out of our sin and into the promised land. I mean, he just, he does that. And it's not because of us, really. It's because of him. It's his nature. It's his character. It's who he is. He can't help but do it because that's who he is. It has nothing really to do with us, aside from his great love for us, right? All that we are is a product of God's grace. It's not me. It's nothing I can do. It's all what he has already done. He wants to do a work in us and through us so that we can reach our full potential. He knows why we were created, and it is for so much more than what we're living for. And it's not just so that we can reach our full potential, but so that others around us can reach their potential as well. There's a lot that we can learn from our past mistakes, right? I can look back on my life and be like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Definitely shouldn't have done that. I don't know what I was thinking hanging out with that person. You, know? you can look back at your past mistakes, and you can learn from them. But there's a, a far better way of doing it. We can learn from mistakes of others, right? Successes of others. Right, I bet Tim will never ever go out that tractor pushing uh, trees around without looking up first. Right? (laughs) I'll learn from his mistake because I don't have the my angels quake that they have to push something like that away from me just in time. You know, (laughs) so we learn from that. So the cool thing about God is that He didn't create everything, form you out of mud, breathe the breath of life into you, and then say, "Good luck, pal," (laughs) and leave. Right? (laughs) He created us to rule over all of his creation. He created us, just read back in Genesis. But he didn't just hand it over to us and leave us on our own to figure things out. He never left us. He still walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. He still walks with us now. And he gave us a user manual, right? He, He gave us this record spanning the course of thousands of years thousands of years to teach us about why we're here, how to best live our life, um, who he is, how people got it right, and how people got it wrong. I I love that God is so, like, not threatened by your sin and your failures and your mistakes. And if you don't believe it, look at his word. He chose to record not just people's successes and how they served him faithfully and got it right, God made sure their mistakes are right there with them. So don't be ashamed of who you used to be or who you are now and the things you're caught up in. Don't be ashamed of them. Do you know who wants you to be ashamed and condemned by them and quiet about them? Satan, the enemy. So he can keep power and hold over you. You know, the most freeing thing in my life whenever I was bound by addiction was when I confessed it. (laughs) And when I asked for help, that's when all of a sudden the enemy couldn't keep me down anymore. Because I'm going to tattle on myself. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to confess these issues, and all of a sudden it lost its power. It lost its grip. Right? There's power in the testimony even of our failures, where we get it wrong. God was sure to record it in his word for us so that we can learn from people's successes and their mistakes. It's an amazing user manual for life. It really is, the word of God. Um, In fact, this is what God's word says about itself in Romans 15, verses 4 through 6. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. That's why it's all recorded. That's why God translates it into thousands of languages. That's why God made sure that, yeah, there's differences between modern translations, but the message doesn't change. What he wants to convey is unchanging. Okay? So don't get tripped up in all these different things. We can debate and argue them, but who really cares as long as you're reading the Word of God, you know? Find the translation that works for you and get it in there. It was written to teach us. So that through the endurance that was taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. Everything that was written in the past was to teach us, to give us hope, to give us encouragement. That's what the Word of God is designed to do. The scriptures give you encouragement and give you hope. It's not over yet. God's not finished Look at how they screwed up. Look at how they got it wrong. Look at how God told them to do this, and they didn't do it. It, But yet, that wasn't the end of their story, right? The only guy's story who ended um, that that comes to mind right now, I'm sure there are many, is Jonah. I always want to know what happened to Jonah. I mean, talk about a thick-headed, boneheaded guy, even when he reluctantly did what God is calling him to do, and he saw revival break out in an entire nation, he was still waiting for him to burn, right? (laughs) Don't know how his story ended. I, I hope that he turned back to God and just saw the goodness of God, right? Just saw how good he is. Then it goes on to verse 5 here. That was only verse, verse 4 was good. I mean, we're going to continue on here. Verse 5. Woo! Love the word of God. May the God... This is sort of like a prayer then. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you... The same attitude of mind. Because who knows attitude is everything? It's not your behavior, because your behavior resulted from your attitude. Your attitude resulted from your perspective, the way you think about things. That's why, where are we supposed to be renewed and transformed? Not in our behavior. That's religion. What does God want to do? He doesn't want you to be a religious person, He wants you to be a spiritual person, a godly person. He renews the mind. He transforms the mind. Everything else follows. So yeah, you can judge people by the fruits of their life. But what you're looking at is the fruits of their thinking. That's why we need to repent. We need to think like God, right? Okay. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God provides endurance and encouragement, and he gives us one voice, a voice that gives glory to God, one voice. If you picture sort of like a runner running a marathon, this is sort of the picture that God gave me, God is kind of like one who is driving alongside of them. And he's given them direction so that they stay the course. He's given them guidance on how to run the race. He knows what's ahead of you. He knows there's this huge hill coming up. Okay, slow down, pace yourself. You're going to need to rest a little bit while you're running because you're going to need strength ahead. He tells you how to run the course, not just where it's heading, but how to run it. He is one that provides encouragement when the road gets rough, water when we're feeling dry, healing when we get injured, and everything else that we could possibly need to run the race well. He is with you, and he is for you. You know, Daniel and his buddies, Rakshak and Benny, I'm sorry, I'm so VeggieTale, it's, it's sad. I- I'm mixed about VeggieTales, and our kids watched it all the time, and now I got VeggieTale theology in my head, and I'm like, that's not really how it happened. Wait a second. Speaking of last week, th- that whole Benny in the Wall thing, that looked an awful lot like uh, Monty Python and Holy Grail. When when the peas were shouting down, what do you think, Nate? Think there's a conspiracy there? You think that's what they were mocking? Anyways, I I, I, I rabbit trail. <laughs> but when they got tossed in the fire, there was another one there with them, wasn't there? So they didn't even smell like fire. A hair didn't even get singed. He is with you and for you that doesn't mean you're not going to go through turbulent times doesn't mean you're not going to get discouraged and feel like giving up he is there to encourage you to give you endurance to give you hope to give you everything you need to run the race well and to finish we need to be finishers in the kingdom of god not ones who start running and then this is so (coughs) this is so hard i'm done just i give up you know I'm, i'm not flexible I can't do this, you know, whatever. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be, you know, it just, you know, no, it's bad theology. If it's meant to be, you got to make it happen. You got to do something about it, right? God will guide and direct you and equip you and encourage you, He'll give you everything, but you got to do it. You got to run the race. And that's the, the question, the challenge this morning. God is speaking out all these things, but are we listening? God has set us a course for our lives but are we willing to run are we willing to get up and to take the next step so this morning let's allow God to give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we kind of jump through the book of Hebrews if you want to turn to Hebrews we're gonna we're gonna hop skip and jump through it oh I read it so many times this week and I just wanted to read the whole thing in all of its entirety because it's so good I can't just pick pieces of, of of it out and talk about it but that's what we're gonna do I encourage you to read the whole book it's it's not too hard of a read and Just so many awesome theological truths about who God is. So God is speaking. And according to Hebrews, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. God's a creative God. The prophets didn't just speak words. Sometimes they did some prophetic acts. They they, they did things in, in all kinds of different ways. But... In these last days, who knows we're living in the last days, right? It's exciting to be living in the last days. I'm so glad I live on this side of history when it comes to the cross. Because I don't know if I could have done the Old Testament stuff. That's what Hebrews is teaching us about. I mean, the reality is so much better than the shadow. You know, it just just is. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. That's why Jesus said, if you saw me, you saw the Father. He's the exact representation. That's why when Jesus said, uh, you know, I am God, the, the Jews were looking to stone him and kill him. He's like, you're... Even 50 years old. I mean, you're saying you're, you're Abraham's father? No way. You know, they, they got angry because he was equating himself to God because he is God. And right here it is. He's the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. Whew, sustaining things with his word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That's capital M. It's a person, the majesty. I, just, I, I get two different pictures when I read this scripture. I, I know after a long, hard day, I just picture Jesus kicking back on his lazy boy, you know. After he provided the purification for sins, he was seated at the right hand, you know. But we also know that he ain't just kicking back and relaxing at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for you. He is defending you. You've got an enemy that is accusing you before the Father night and day according to the word of God. But you have a defender seated at the right hand who has the only word that matters to the Father. And he's defending you. He is saying, that is my child. Yes, he deserves help. But guess what? I paid the price. So they're set free. What, what, what charges are you holding against them? That's as far as the east is from the west. This is the bottom of the ocean floor. I don't know what sins you're talking about, right? Forgiven. And it says, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then I love the book of Hebrews because it's like an apologetic book. The rest of Hebrews 1 goes through, and it quotes scripture, after scripture, after scripture, after scripture, proving that Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is God. He always was, always is, and always will be. He, he, there was no beginning. There is no end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He, he is not an angel. So next time Jehovah's Witnesses come over and, and chill at your house and they say that he was just an angel, we'll be like, well, have you checked? Let me see your Bible. Let, do that. Let me see your Bible. Read through this. What does it, what does it have to say about, about Jesus? You know? I mean, it makes a very definitive argument that he was not an angel. Um, and then uh, he goes on, and I love it. By the way, apologetics, that's not apologizing for your faith, if you're not familiar with that term. Apologetics is just, it's, it's like the, um, the practice of defending your faith. This is what I believe and why I believe it. And you ought to be an amazing apolo- apologist, <laughs> because you should never believe something you can't defend, Get into the Word. Learn what you believe and why you believe it. Do you you believe that that Mary was a virgin? Well, why do you believe that? You ought to be able to quote the scripture, or at least be able to pull up your Bible app and find it, right? You know, be able to defend what you believe. And I digress and continue on. Anyways, then we're going to skip ahead to Hebrews chapter 2. We must pay most careful attention. Okay, God's speaking, but are we listening? And my kids, they hear my words, but are they paying attention? Do you get what I'm saying? There's a difference between hearing your words and heeding them, paying attention to them, right? James said, don't just read the word of God, do what it says. That's what what he goes on to say. We must pay the most careful attention, the most careful attention to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. Is it possible to lose your salvation? I don't believe so. I lose my keys all the time, but I don't lose my salvation. But I do believe that I can drift away and intentionally abandon it. Right? God doesn't snatch it away from me, but I can intentionally choose to walk away from it. And there's all kinds of- we can talk about that another day, another time, but we can drift away. Here's a a direct caution: pay the most careful attention so you don't drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding. And every violation to God's word through the angels, every disobedience received its punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore, there's a better word for it, ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by, here they are again, Signs, wonders, and miracles. Da, 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 da. They're Old Testament, New Testament, they're everywhere. Because where God shows up, signs, wonders, and miracles happen. It's <laughs> who He is. <laughs> what is He doing? He's making things right. It's like me when I walk through the house. I love my children and my family, but I feel like every time I take a walk through my house, I got to pick something up and put it back where it's supposed to be, right? My, my doctor said it was OCD. I, I've been officially diagnosed, so there you go. <laughs> but that's sort of what God does. Signs, wonders, and miracles are him being like, OK, that ain't right. We're here on Earth, right? And the angels are like, yeah. And he's like, but, but it's supposed to be here on Earth as it is in heaven, right? I mean, isn't that what, what I told the people to pray? Yep. All right, let's make this right. Boom, sign, wonder, miracle. You know, he's just making it right. He's making it the way he created it to be. Sin has perverted it. God restores it and makes it right. Signs, wonders, and miracles. But again, this is another scripture that is pointing that the reason we have signs, wonders, and miracles are to point people to him, to his salvation. Signs, wonders, miracles, they point to his salvation, that there is a Savior who loves us and cares about us, who paid the price, who was cursed so that we might be blessed, who died that we might live, and all those good things. those words just kind of pierced my heart, drifting away, ignoring this great salvation. Eternal life has begun. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your eternal life begins. It's not when you kick the bucket. No one needs healing whenever you got your new body, it's incorruptible. Never need healed. You don't ever need to be shown something because you know everything. Paul said, now we know in part, now we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, we'll know everything. All the signs, wonders, and miracles, all of the, 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 the promises of his salvation, they're for here and now. Now is when we need the full manifestation of his salvation. Can't wait till I get my, my, my resurrected, you know, restored, incorruptible body of glory, but until then, I need Jesus. <laughs> I need everything that he, ha- he paid for on this cross. I need it all, and I need it here and now, right? That's why we press in and why we seek. We don't ignore it. See, so many people, they, they, they pray a prayer, you know, at an altar one time and an emotional response, and then they just kind of put it on the shelf and ignore it. I got it. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell, so I'm good, you know? And then you just kind of live your life the way that you want to. You ignore his salvation. It's so easy for us to do that. But if Jesus gave His everything to buy it for you, why would we settle for anything less than it, right? If he died to give us all power and all authority, why would we just ignore it and try to find some other way? Why not press in until the fullness of it is, is realized, right? You see, it's so easy to drift away from, from God and from his ways. It just, it is. This life gets so hectic and busy, and I'm such an emotional, fleshy person. It's so easy to drift away from what he has said. That's why i got to remind myself. Paul said, as long as today is called today, we got to remind ourselves and encourage each other to stay in his word. To stand on what his word says, not on the sinking ground of what the world is telling you, right? Not to fear what they fear, not to believe what they believe, not to call everything conspiracy that they call conspiracy. All those things are scriptures, by the way, that I'm quoting. Um, It takes effort, though. It takes effort to live out God's will and to not drift away. It takes a pursuit. I have to do my part. God made a covenant with us. He is always faithful. It is always yes and amen on his part. But he loves us so much that he doesn't force his will on us. He gives us a choice. So we have to choose to do our part so we can receive it all. get what I'm saying here? Um, we, We have to. It is the only way, listening to his voice, seeking him, obediently following his lead, it's the only way to live a full and abundant life. It's the only way to live a blessed life where we never lack. Galatians 5, Nate, what are they? Good job, yeah! Woo! Yeah. Fruits of the Spirit, that's right. Love, joy, peace, patience long forbearance. Depends what translation you read. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control for all those on the camera who couldn't hear you. Yeah. You'll never never lack them. And I'll tell you what, that's what the world longs for. That's what our hearts long for. We long to be loved. Doesn't it hurt so badly when someone is supposed to love you and they just don't? They reject you? Hurts. Hurts in a worse kind of way because we were created for love. To live our own lives according to our own will, it comes easy, it comes naturally, right? If you've ever watched the Lorax, it's, you know, how bad can I be? I'm just doing what comes naturally, right? Next thing you know, there ain't no trees, All right? I don't know. anybody else watched? Anyways, I'm going to be talking about a lot of entertainment today. You got to pray for my soul. I, I, still fo- I still watch the world's entertainment sometimes. Dr. Seuss is the Lorax, yes, but it can get pretty bad, can it, when we just do what we feel like doing, when we feel like doing it, it can go pretty bad pretty quickly. I mean, I I tell my teenage kids all the the time, all the time, all the time, man, just just one decision is all it takes to wreck the rest of your life. This whole, oh, you're just young and stupid. You know, that's what the world says. Oh, we all did stupid things in our teens, and no, 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 no. (laughs) I've got fellow you know, brothers and sisters that went to my school that made one bad decision, and they gone. They ended their life pretty early. Um, and others that just screwed up the rest of their lives, you know? It, 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 no. You can't do what we feel like doing when we feel like doing it, but that's what comes naturally, right? That's all we have to do. That's pretty easy. Just live life in the moment, you know? YOLO! You only live once, so just do what you feel like doing right here and right now. But I can get just about anybody to testify that an, it's an easy way to live life, but it's not an easy life, <laughs> right? It's an easy way to live life, it's not an easy life. It is a very hard life. It is full of pain and hurt and discouragement, and it ultimately leads to destruction. According to Galatians 5, living according to the flesh, it leads to all kinds of nasty stuff, right? It's one that's full of sexual immorality, which seems fun in the moment, but it leaves a lifetime of heartache and destruction behind you. Impurity, idolatry, which uh, I combine witchcraft and hatred. <laughs> Witchery. <laughs> It's a new spiritual battle we gotta be fighting against. (laughs) We just cancel every assignment of witchered, you know? Witchcraft and hatred. (laughs) Oh my discord, jealousy, fits of rage! Anybody ever struggle with fits of rage? I never I never go into fits of rage, do I? Ever? (laughs) Yeah. Guess what? That ain't a spirit led event. <laughs> Whatever's happening in that moment, you ain't being spirit led. And I got to remind myself of that, you know? This, this isn't the way God wants us to play out. Selfish ambif- ambition, <laughs> dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The point is any life worth living, any life of ease, takes work, takes discipline, it takes effort. And I remember me and Becky, we would always remind ourselves when we had three toddlers that are still running around in diapers and bottles, and oh my goodness, you know. We kept reminding ourselves when it's like, are you going to discipline them or do I have to, you know? Because we were so tired of disciplining our kids that we just didn't even feel like doing it anymore. And we kept reminding ourselves, you know what though? When they get to their teen years, we're going to be glad we did this, right? And now that they're in their teen years, We're so blessed our kids are amazing the things that we struggle with is nothing compared to what their friends parents are struggling with, you know We are glad that we instilled biblical principles And we used the rod and didn't spoil the child. They're getting spoiled now, but um, back when they were younger, you know and so It's true in children, but it's just as true with us We are adult children in the kingdom of God and guess what God does he disciplines those he loves If we would just listen to discipline, it's not easy at the time. But if we listened to it and allowed ourselves to be taught by it and instructed by it, we would actually live easier lives in the future. It's worth it. It's worth the effort, right? It Takes work, it takes intentionality, but the reward is well worth it in the end. Well worth it. And to be completely honest, God does all the hard work for us. We are such spoiled children. I mean, think about it. Everything that God calls us to do, we whine about it and moan about it. We say it's so hard, but honestly, all that it is is just yielding to the Spirit. (laughs) Less of me, more of him. So whatever you're struggling with in life, that's the answer. That's how you walk this out. Just submit to the Spirit. Just let yourself be crucified, die, so that you might live. Crucify this flesh, get rid of it, and just let the Spirit take control of your life and live it. That's the answer, that's the solution. It sounds so easy, but man, is it so hard to walk out, right? Because my flesh doesn't agree with the way God does things, you know, his, his thoughts aren't my thoughts, his ways aren't my ways, but they're so much better, and that's what we got to remind ourselves to let this happen. Then we continue on, um, you know, What is really cool about our god is that what he is calling us to do not only is it not too difficult for us he already did it he literally did it in the flesh hebrews chapter 2 verses i'm going to skip around again for time's sake we see jesus we see jesus who is made lower than the angels for a little while okay so get this picture he was above the angels beforehand he chose to humble himself wrap himself in flesh, become even lower than the angels, because there's a hierarchy of authority and and government in the kingdom of God. He made himself lower than the angels for a little while, but now he is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. (laughs) So you see this, what discipline does? It, It crucifies the flesh so that I can be crowned With honor and glory and splendor, so I can live a better life, so that I can be the person that God created me to be. He died, but now he is crowned. And it says, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. That's what he's calling you into. He is not calling you to give up something of the world. He is calling you to let go of it so that you can grab hold of something so much better. He is trying to bring you into glory, from glory to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, there's a real awesome theological nugget, right? Everything exists by God and for God. It's for him, it's through him. Everything is about him. I'm sorry, I keep taking rabbit trails. Where was I at? Da, 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 da. The devil, we're going to get to him later. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, that Jesus, bringing many sons and daughters to glory, he should be the pioneer of their salvation. He is perf- They would be made perfect through what he suffered. But the one who makes people holy... And those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus isn't ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I'm unashamed, right? Jesus is unashamed of you and I. He's unashamed of your sin and your temptation and your weaknesses. He's not ashamed of you. He calls you his brother and his sister. He calls you family. But the one who was made holy, Jesus, and the ones who are being made holy, us... We're all the same family, and he's unashamed of you. In verse 14, since the children, that's us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, he took on flesh and blood, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Through his death he broke all the power of the devil. He broke it. You can't say the devil made me do it anymore because that power has been broken. You are no longer a slave. You are a child of God. Right? I can rise up above the power of the enemy. Death ain't going to hold me down. Worry anxiety ain't going to hold me down. Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's starting to get a little dry in here. Not only did he break the power of the devil, but he freed, in verse 15, all of those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of dying. This sounds perverted sometimes, but I can't wait to go home. I can't wait to die. I'll I'll take the rapture instead, but whatever. I win. I win. I can't lose. Do whatever you want to this body. I'm going to get a resurrected one, you know? I mean, I win no matter what. That should be the perspective of a Christian, homesick. Not that you want to die. And trust me, I I feel awful. I've sat with some people in nursing homes, and they were believers, and they just wanted to die. And it wasn't because they were, like, depressed and everything. It was because it's like, what am I doing here? I just want to go home. I just can't wait for it, you know? Oh, that should be our faith. That should be our faith. And literally it says here, Jesus came to free those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Because the fear of death is not just the fear of dying. It's the, I'm letting my son drive his car to school. What if? The fear of death, the fear of all those bad things that can happen, you know? We don't have to live by the fear of what if. Because there's an angelic host taking care of my kids, right? I don't have to fear. Trust me, I'm going to have to listen to my own preaching here in a few minutes. I don't have to fear. I'll be afraid. When I see the phone ring right after they leave, Oh, they just forgot something. Not, oh boy, he's in a ditch. I better go get my keys, you know. (laughs) You don't have to live in fear. Okay, I'm I'm getting sidetracked again. For surely, verse 16, surely it's not angels that Jesus helps, but Abraham's descendants. And we were engrafted in, by the way, right? Romans, we were engrafted in. We are Abraham's children. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, Right? Right? We are children, not by blood, bloodline, but we are children by the blood of Christ, bloodline. We are children of God and grafted into the promise of Abraham. In verse 17, for this reason, for this very reason, Jesus had to be made like them. He had to be fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of his people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is now able to help those who are being tempted. He's a priest. He makes intercession. God himself is a priest, and you'll find out later in the, in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Abraham, the eternal priesthood. Whew. He, Melchizedek that existed even before the priesthood existed, before Aaron, I think it was even before Aaron was born, right? Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't Abraham who came and gave a tenth of everything to him. Like, oh, just so cool. I just love it. (laughs) Oh, I love the kingdom of God. It's so exciting to dig in. But here's the deal. Jesus can completely relate to you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not embarrassed by you. There's nothing you can go through that he hasn't went through. He has been there. He has done that. He has been tempted in the same way. He personally dealt with it. However, he successfully overcame it all. He lived a sinless life that none of us ever could. Sinless. God became flesh and blood among us. Then he paid the penalty for sin, which he was innocent of. If he had to take on the cross for the punishment of sin because he was a sinner, well, then he paid his price. He didn't owe it. And because he took on and paid the price that he didn't owe, he can freely give it away to anybody, right? If I'm standing at Dollar General and um, I'm an extreme couponer and so my bill comes to nothing and I got a $20 bill, guess what? I can give that $20 bill to anyone I want because I don't know it's a Dollar General. It's not theirs. It's mine. And I'll just give it away to whoever I want, right? It's fun. Jesus loves giving away his salvation. Heaven rejoices when a soul is saved. There is rejoicing in the heavenly realms because, cha-ching, another one was purchased. Another one was purchased. Woo! It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's better than a jelly of the month club, right? You know, it just keeps on giving forever and ever. There's rejoicing. God freely offers us his salvation. He freely offers us everything that we need to know him and to follow his ways. God meets us where we're at, as we sang this morning here, by the way. He meets us where we're at in our, in our bondage, in our Egypt. He grabs us by the hand and he takes us into the promised land. He goes with us. With us. He's for us. Just as he led the Israelites away from their Egyptian bondage, he walked with them through the wilderness, through the, the desert. I mean, he just... Did he get frustrated with them? Absolutely. He got angry with them. His rage was against them at times. But he stuck with them because he loved them. In fact, he even argued with Moses. Moses like, like, I'm not taking another foot unless you go with us. And God's like, this is a stubborn, stiff-necked people. If I go with you, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> Literally, that's the conversation that played out. And Moses is like, I'm not going to go unless you go with us. So God's like, okay. Hey, angel, (laughs) you know these people. Fire by night to cloud by day led them everywhere they needed to go. Gave them rest when they needed rest. When they needed a drink, boom, straight from the rock. You know, I mean, he just took care of them everywhere they went. And he will take care of you, too. He offers us today to lead us into his promises no matter where we're at right now. God is speaking, but are we listening? As we goes on in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, and I pray that you do because I think I'm speaking his word, not my own word. You're hearing his voice. Through this nasally, I hate the sound of my voice, but through this voice, you're hearing God's voice. If you hear it, don't harden your hearts. The way that you did in rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Now, those people weren't the ones that were physically in the wilderness. Again, Paul here is, well, I, I, I defend that it's Paul. We don't really know who wrote Hebrews, but I don't know. It might have been Silas, it might have been, anyways. Whoever wrote Hebrews, they're taking this reality, this physical thing that historically happened, and he's making a spiritual reality of it. It's okay to interpret the scriptures that way. It's okie-dokie. That's what we're going to do again as you did in rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me for 40 years they saw what i did that's why i was angry with that generation i said their hearts they're always going astray they don't know my ways so i declared on oath in my anger says the lord they shall never enter into my rest so see to it in verse 12 brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart these are saved people he is writing to Jews who accepted Jesus as salvation these are saved people see to it that none of us has a hardened unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God but rather in verse 13 encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've all come to share in Christ if we hold to our original conviction firmly till the end. Hold to it till the end. Then you're saved. So let's encourage one another. Encourage one another, right? Yeah. Sorry, I don't have my projector bag anymore. Um, to reinforce our conviction, to firmly stand with Jesus on the Word of God, not to allow our hearts to grow hardened, and to fade away, and to begin to ignore His salvation. That's why we do this thing called church. That's why Jesus created this thing that we call church, because He knew we need each other. You can be saved out there on your own, but I don't believe that you can really stand firmly and run the race with endurance and make it to the finish line alone. That would be a miracle. A miracle of God. That would be a work of the Spirit of God. We need each other. We need each other. When I start to have some stinking thinking and someone comes along and they encourage me with what God's Word says, I need that. We all do. We need each other so that we don't fade away. So that we don't get deceived by sin and grow hard in our hearts. And ignore his salvation. Because we're all susceptible to. The cool thing, you know, is we know from the very beginning that's who we were. We, we turned away from God. We turned our own ways. We did what we thought seemed right. However, God has always pursued us. Always made a way into a restored right relationship with him. God made a covenant. A covenant is different than a contract. Right? A contract, you look at the, the fine print on both sides. So you see how you can get in and out of it. Covenant, there's no out of it. Covenant is, this is it. That's why we call marriage a covenant. Till death do us part. And in the kingdom of God, there is no death. I mean, this body dies, but we don't die. We live forever and ever and ever. And guess what? Even when you're not saved, (laughs) here's a real theology brain trigger for you. Even when you're not saved, this body dies, you get a new body too. Designed for eternal torment, forever and ever and ever in the lake of sulfur, burning the burning lake. So everybody gets to live forever. I'd rather live in heaven, man. I'm up here sweating. I don't like heat. I I like fall. It's my favorite season. You know, you can throw on a hoodie if it's a little chilly, or otherwise you can just walk around. You know. Uh, Anyways, I'm not for that heat stuff, so I can't imagine that. I mean, the, 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 guy, the guy was begging for just a cup of water, right? You know, go tell my brothers, you know? So they, he's like, you know what? Even, even if the Son of God comes, they're not going to believe him. <laughs> Lord forgive us for our stubbornness, our hard hearts. Okay, so God made covenant with his people when they were freed from Egypt. He took them out of their bondage and he said, okay, here's the deal. I'm making a covenant with you. Today, here and now, I'm making a covenant. And he created this place on earth where people can be forgiven for their sins, this system of forgiveness, the shedding of blood, which was animals. By the way, he did that back in the garden, too, and Adam and Eve sinned, right? Shed the blood of an animal to cover their sin and shame. Um, you know, it was nothing new. He, he created this whole system by bulls, rams, lambs, pigeons, doves, you know, this whole system of forgiveness where um, there's a prescription for every sin that you sin and um, we can go on in detail about that, but I'm not for today. We're already over time, for time's sake. Um, but he, created, he had Moses create this very detail-oriented place here on the earth that was a shadow copy of heaven where his presence dwelt with them, where they could go and worship him and meet with him. And in fact, the place where his literal presence dwelt on the, the mercy seat. It was called the Holy of Holies. Only one person was allowed to go in there once a year. It was just a holy place that nobody was really worthy of going in. There's this whole thing they had to go through to, to purify themselves before they could enter in. But then, God's glory when he would meet with Moses, because he met with Moses face to face in this tabernacle and while they were traveling, still out of the wilderness, And when when Moses would meet him, God's glory would remain radiant on his face as he left that place. In fact, he used to wear a veil. First of all, to not freak out the people because his face is glowing like a glow stick, you know. But the second reason, because of the shame that that glory would fade the longer he was out of the presence of God. We have a warning here in Hebrews to be careful that you don't fade away. There's only one way to stay on fire for God, and that's to stay near the source of that fire, right? Just like your campfires you're going to be having here soon, you know. There's only one place to stay warm, and it's near the fire. Even if you take a stick like my little four-year-old nephew does and goes running around with it, you know, chasing people with his fire stick, um, it fades. That fire stick goes out, and he's like, aw! Thurzant goes and grabs another one, you know. You've got to stay in that fire. There's only one place. It's in the presence of the Lord. That's where we got to stay to stay on fire for the Lord. That was the old covenant. It was a covenant that was temporary It would never last forever. It had so many flaws. Why? Not because God is flawed But because it was a system of people making atonement for sins. People are sinful themselves They had to atone for their own sin before they had to for the sin of the other people like, you know It just it was a mess and all that it did was taught us that We just can't get this right we just can't do this on our own. So, to make a point, that was the Old Covenant. Then God decided to create a new covenant. You'll know them as the Old and New Testaments, right? Old and New Covenant. God decided to come, do away with that Old Covenant, and, and prepare a new one. So here's the point. Um, and literally that's what he says here. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now the main point of what we're trying to say, because he goes on and on and on explaining it, is this. We do have a high priest. ...who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. He serves in the actual sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by God, not by a mere human being. Every high priest, they're appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices... ...so necessary for this one to also offer something, if he were here on earth, he wouldn't be a priest... For there are already priests who offer gifts prescribed by the law. They serve in a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. That's why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See that you make everything according to the pattern that it was shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. And he goes on in verse 7. If there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. The old's working. It's working great. Let's just keep doing it, you know? I don't mind the smell of burnt meat. I mean, man. To, to serve... Oh. I mean, you get me around, you know, like whenever we're making our, um, our jerky and, and it's, it's smoking and all... Oh. Just love it. The smell of Stan's bacon. If you've never had a taste of his bacon, it's good stuff. Um, it'd be a fun, fun place to serve at. You know, um, Tim wouldn't mind. You know, you're just butchering, slaughtering all day long. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're, you're a priest in the sanctuary, and what you're doing is you're just, you know, slaughtering things and you're burning them and you're, you know, you're eating some of it and uh, whatever. I mean, it was just it was a very messy place. I mean, can you imagine these these altars just covered in blood? You know, that's really what it was. Um, It was a messy, messy place, but um, God said, no, this isn't working. He says in verse 7, if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people. Wasn't there anything wrong with the system? Wasn't there anything wrong with God? There's something wrong with the people. (laughs) Something wrong with them. I say about myself all the time, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? What are you thinking? (laughs) Something wrong, right? So, god said this the days are coming declares the lord when a i will make a new covenant with the people of israel quoting from the old testament and with the people of judah for those of you who don't know israel split off into two nations another message for another time israel judah god's like oh man just d- division god's people is always just divisive <laughs> our hearts are divided we divide people we just it's a mess anyways he says it won't be like the the covenant that i made with our ancestors." when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Imagine that we sung something biblical today. God said, I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they didn't remain faithful to my covenant. Whenever you got toddlers running around, why is it that you grab them by the hand and lead them to where they're supposed to be? Because they're not supposed to be over there. It's dangerous over there. You need to be here. That's what God does. He takes us by the hand and he leads us where we're supposed to be, where we were created to be. But God said, it's not going to be like the old covenant because they did not remain faithful to the covenant. I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will establish to the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. By calling this covenant new, and it's in quotes, he has made the first one Obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. But Christ came as a high priest of good things that are now already here. (laughs) He preached about the new covenant. He's like, guess what? Here's the best part. It's already here. We're living it. It's here and now. He said he went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle that wasn't made with human hands. That is to say, it's not even a part of the creation. He did not enter by the means of goats and calves. He entered by the most, He entered into the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're redeemed, right? I am redeemed. I'm redeemed by the Lord, I'm I'm, I'm finishing up here. I can, tell, I can tell it's long and dry, but it's all right. We're going to close up here with some good stuff. All right, New Covenant. Um, and, and I lost my place again. The blood of goats and bulls, the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. It sanctified them so that they were outwardly clean. How much more then? Will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this very reason, Christ, in verse 15, is the mediator of the new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins that they committed under the first covenant. You see, the Israelites, they experienced the shadow, right? They experienced the shadow. We experience the reality. They saw a copy, a shadow. They played house. It's like whenever your, your kids are playing in the little play kitchen, you know, like b- back in Susie's area, and they bring you some plastic food, you know. That's what the Old Covenant was like. They were, they were kind of practicing and playing. It wasn't that it was pretend. I don't want to, I don't want to negatively, I mean, it was, it was critically important what they were doing. I, I don't want to downplay it, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't the reality. They were in this tabernacle and then a temple and then another temple and there's going to be another temple built, built by human hands. And, and they were kind of doing what God called them to do. They are going through motions. And all it was doing was changing the outside. The blood of animals sprinkled on them, it just, it was, a, it was an expression of faith. It was always done by faith, but it couldn't really clean them. The law was written on tablets of stone, but now it's written on tablets of our hearts. Now we have the presence of God inside of us, not in this temple built by hands, but inside my flesh, this temple, my body is a temple of God, Right? amazing to think about that. We're continuously, constantly in his presence. We don't participate in the transient ministry of Moses that, that brought the law and led people to death in this fading glory that came with it. We participate in the eternal ministry of Jesus. He is our great high priest, the one and the only, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the only one that ever has to be now. He's the priest. interceding on my behalf. His blood covers me, not externally so that I act religious and do and say the right things, but internally so that my mind is transformed and renewed so that I know the mind of Christ, so that I know the heart of God and I can live in accordance with it. Transformed from the inside out. We participate in eternal ministry that brings righteousness and life. And it goes from glory to an ever-increasing glory, right? From glory to glory. Right now, we are going to participate in what Jesus gave us to remember the new covenant. Communion.